Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. When's the last time you've been hopeful about something? Because I know every year around June, my birthday month, I'm super excited. I'm like a little girl all over again. You know, some of us have our favorites. It's the Thanksgiving and holiday season outside of the buying gifts and the brocation that comes from that. Mm-hmm, new word, brocation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, New Year's, you look forward to setting your resolutions and this is how it's going to be. And if you boot up, you look forward to um, Valentine's Day. And again, we all have something that we're looking forward to a new birth of a baby, maybe a wedding, what have you. But when's the last time that you've had hope for your life, for something in particular? And for some reason, it was just brewing in me, this thing about hope. So you know how I do. Wanted to break it down to the elemental P. I said, let's go ahead and go straight to the dictionary first. You know, the worldly uh, aspect of it. Let me get some wisdom from Earth real quick. So the definition of hope, and it's looking from the New Oxford American Dictionary. So, hope, a feeling of expectation and a desire for a certain thing to happen. The second definition says a feeling of trust. Now, I went there because, you know, I'm just scrolling, looking through certain things to kind of aim. What, what am I aiming for? I knew it was hope, but I wanted to dig a little deeper. Okay, God, you want me to... Something about hope. Let me just dig. So I went to Proverbs 13, 12, right? New Living Translation, NLT. And it said, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. So hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. So essentially what that's saying is someone who is not hoping for something there's not an expectation of something. There's not something to look forward to. It makes the heart sick. There's no enthusiasm there. There's no joy there. There's not that anticipation of anything. But a dream fulfilled, a passion, something that just comes to fruition, the manifestation of the expectation coming to pass is a tree of life. And I just thought, man, that is powerful. How important it is to look forward to something. To look for not just looking forward to the weekend and oh thank God, you know, TGIF and none of that. Just having something that you're working, your either your five year plan, your ten year plan, whatever your your short and long term plan is, but having that hope that one day did this is going to happen. I'm going to see this promise fulfilled. I am going to I think if we really were to survey the people who we come into interaction with, with customer service, be it on the phone or in person, if we really were asking them like, hey, what are you working on in your life? Or, um, you know, are you just coming to work every day? Do you have a goal? Do you want to own one of these places? Do you want to do a franchise? Are you working on something on the side? I almost guarantee that the people who have bitterness seeping out of their heart is because that hope has been deferred. It clearly says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Not having anything to look forward to. Not working toward anything. Not having a passion that excites. I think God was so brilliant in giving us our own individual passions because your passion is the one thing that no one has to stir you up to feel. 
you know what you're passionate about because it stirs you up in ways that it doesn't stir other people up. You get excited when you're talking about it and everyone else is looking at you like, mm, I mean, it's cool. And you're looking at them like, that doesn't, that doesn't excite you. That doesn't move you. That doesn't anger you. That doesn't provoke something in you that makes you want to then now do this A, B, and C. And they're like, no. And that's okay. That's how you define what your passion is. It's a perk up. It's a elevation. It's a lean in. It's a wait a minute. That gets my attention. And every time I speak about that, that stirs me up. And every time I even try to, you know, don't think about this particular goal. It's just I can't shake it. I have to do something about this. I think that's the energizing battery pack that God enabling and innately put in all of us. I feel like if we were to really dig and see what is it that just either motivates you or derails you, it is how focused are you on your particular passion, on your particular hope, on your expectation. Where are you in that? So I was also reading about um, Ephesians, what was this that? I think it was three. Yeah, Ephesians three. So Paul was doing this whole prayer thing. And I was like, man, I can't wait to call you and tell you about this part. So, okay. Chapter three, verse 17. And I'm going to read, read this real quick to you because, um, you know, I want to give you the exact. Okay, so 17. It says, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. You remember when I called you last night, uh, Sidebar, uh, when we were talking about the hope and the peace and how God, that peace that surpasses all understanding, um, he, got, he will then make sure that that peace guards our hearts and minds. And I was kind of breaking down, why does he keep talking about the heart? It's like you can't go anywhere in the Bible where God is not talking about your heart. It is such an important thing because from it flows the decisions of life, the Bible says. And so here we are again talking about the heart. Not only will he guard it that we read in the other scriptures... In this chapter, Ephesians 3.17, is saying, Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. There he go again, letting you know when you do a thing, this is your part, this is my part. He'll make his home in your heart when you, when you continue to trust in him. You see what I'm saying? Amazing. Your roots will grow down in God's love and keep you strong. See, here we are going around this earth. Trying to find our own way to get strong. You know, we're going to take this particular uh, sheets and we're we going to take these muscle whatevers and these vitamins and we're going to get this amount of sleep and we're going to only eat this and we're going to become vegetarian and we're going to be super strong and we're going to. You doing all these things and the answer is right here. When you go ahead and you trust God, Christ will then come into your heart and make it your home. Your roots will go deep. In God's love, and it will keep you strong, not make you strong. 
Because we all know we, there are certain times in our life we can look back and like, man, I was strong there. Whether it was physically, emotionally, whatever it was, you were strong. But did it keep you strong? Hmm. Okay. Verse 18. We're still in chapter 3 of Ephesians. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. 19. And may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. That is such a heavy verse. There are so many things that we try to do on our own and we keep getting these reminders from this instructional piece called the Bible that says it comes from God, ma'am, sir. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. It doesn't come from you getting that particular acc- accolade in uh, at work. It doesn't come from how much is in your bank account. It doesn't come from you being the best mom that your mother wasn't to you or the best dad that your dad wasn't to you. It doesn't come by what you drive. It does not come from anything tangible on earth because it comes from God. And so with that, trying to find it on earth is as wise as a dog chasing its own tail. Now, prior to you knowing information, you're not held responsible for that. But once you are made aware, hey, you're chasing your tail. Hey, that fulfillment that you're trying to get, that only comes from God. You then now have to do something with that. You have to adjust. You have to then say, okay, you know what? I've been doing that wrong. And then you need to get on the right path to start doing the right thing. Or, and we don't even have to do the politically correct thing. You know, what's right? Right is perspective. No, not right. Right is what is yielding you the result long term. You can't tell person A how to eat. Is it yielding you the result that you want? Is that how you want your stomach to look? Okay, great. Is that how sluggish you want to feel every day? Okay, great. Now, some people get their energy from being a vegetarian. Other people become an extreme anemic because of it. You cannot tell people how to do certain things. It's just in your life, once you're made aware of something and you're not yielding the long-term result, you then have to go ahead and adjust. And are you brave enough to say, hmm, what I'm doing is not working? Verse 20, now all the glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. And that's why I just want to rest on. I feel like sometimes when we are praying, wishing, hoping, whatever you like to call it, that we may be doing it on too low of a scale. I think what we do is sometimes, just sometimes, I feel like we pray in the capacity that is believable to us. So, let's just take for example, let's say you're looking for a promotion. And you're like, God, please let me get the promotion. Um, You know, I, I feel like, and whatever your thing is with God, whether you use, when you're talking to him, if you feel like, 
you know, I feel like I earned it. So can I have that? Or if you feel like, man, I don't got a chance. Can I, I need you to open up some doors. I need some favor in that area. Or if it's a, well, you know, God, um, I've been doing good. And if you put me here, I'll do this. How, however, whatever avenue you take, essentially what you're doing at some point is saying, I can see that. So that's how I'm going to pray. I can see me being in that position. All right. So I'm going to pray that. But what if you completely rewrote that and started praying so big that while you were praying, you were like, oh, you felt like God was giving you the side lip mean like, oh, I don't know, dog. Right. What if you started praying and it's not even it may not be big like I want to be the 52nd president. Yeah, you know. If that's not your passion, that's not what you want to do. That's outrageous. But I give you an example. I was listening to Joyce Meyer because, you know, um, that's my sister or my mother in my head. Mm -hmm. So I don't care not much what you're saying. That's my mother in my head. Okay. Um, and she said that she told God, you know, I want to help every single person I come in contact with. I want to be all over the world. I just want to help. That's just, and I want to do it on a large capacity. I want to help every single person, as many people as I can while I'm still on the earth. Now, that may have been tremendous when she prayed it. And it still is. I can still see it being that. And so from that, you know, she may not have been able to help every single person in the route that she thought. But you know what God did? She's a well-known preacher. She's on te television, biblical stations that aren't even in her same language. She has to have um, the transcribers, the translators. And so God took that prayer, coupled it with his plan, and made it bigger than what she asked. So I wonder, okay, so the verse, chapter 320, it literally says... He will accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. More than we might ask or think. So it's almost like I want you to think about your prayer. And then I want you to go bigger. So if your prayer is, God, I want that promotion. I want you to double back. And I want you to start praying daring prayers. God, I want to own the company. God, I actually want to make another company and... I wanted to serve people in a capacity that people just don't understand how it's doing so well. And I could always make sure that it reverts back to you. And that's the thing about prayer. Your intent has to be um, dope. Your intent has to be pure. Your intent has to get to a place that you're like, I'm not doing this for fame, for um, any kind of accolade. I'm not doing this outside of the fact that I want to do this. I want to be great. And I want God to get the glory. Now, some of us, if we're really honest, we're not there. Now, again, he's not looking for you to just be this God robot. He wants you to have good intentions. The Bible says, make sure that when you're doing a thing, that a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's 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 children. So he knows that um, some of this, yeah, when you're wise with it, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to bless that. But if you want the accolades and the finances and whatever other resources that are increased from that just so that you can make you better, that intent is corroded. You literally should be setting up for the generations to come. You're, you should have your descendants and stuff looking back like, whoo, thank God you was a part of my bloodline because you changed it all around. You see what I'm saying? 
And so I feel like when we are on the journey and on the chosen path to, okay, I know what I want to do. You owe it to yourself, your future, your your legacy and everything that is combined with that to do something that is stamp approved you are here on earth and you know what thank god i was a part of this bloodline because i could tell you now solomon only did what solomon can do because he was a part of david's bloodline and i believe that wholeheartedly david did some things that god was just like man after my own heart which then trickled down for solomon to do the things that he did and it trickled down and you know so on and so forth but are we praying big enough to, to have an experience that makes us look back like, whew, wow, God, you, you made all that with um two fish and five loaves? Because honestly, we come to God with what we have. But I think on the other end of that, we're expecting for him to make something happen with what we presented. So for instance, since I brought up to two fish and five loaves. I feel like if we, some of us, but if we were to bring up our lunch, you know, to the disciples and Jesus, it's like, here, here's the two fish and the five loaves. You were fully expecting for it to be a bomb fish sandwich, but you know, enough for the ingredients that you gave. Are you giving God what you have, expecting that he's going to multiply that and blow your mind? Are you walking up with at least the faith of the little boy to say, here, I have this lunch. I have the two fish. I have the five loaves. So you did the first part. You acknowledged this is all I have. Then you did the second brave part, which was then giving it to Jesus and saying, here you go. Although it is all I have, I'm giving it to you because you can do something with it far greater than I can with it being in my possession. But are we doing the third part with expecting, I know what I gave you, but I know who I gave it to. Come on, Holy Spirit. I'm sorry to scream in your air. I get excited, okay? Because I get revelation as I'm talking to you too. I mean, just think about that. We did the first part. We acknowledge, uh, God, all I have on my account is this. God, all I got enough strength for is, is this. God, all I have in... I only have this much to pay that particular bill. I got enough for that bill, but not those. So we acknowledge in God, this is all I have. Now let's move on to the next part. Got to repeat it. It was that good. It, brave enough to give that to the person that we know can do something else with it. But not having the expectation of, oh, now he gave you enough for the other bills. What if he exceeded that expectation? Because with the two fish and the five loaves, he was able to feed the first time around 5,000. And the Bible says 5,000 men, not including the, the women, the children, and they have baskets left over. They had 12 to be exact. You see what I'm saying? So why don't we get to a place that we are not bringing God peanut butter, bringing God jelly, bringing God two pieces of bread and saying, this is going to be a bomb um, peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Really? What if God blew your mind and by the time you came back, you were like, that's enough to last me a year. Right. With a little bit that you gave, but did you give it in faith? Did you give it in confidence knowing that when I give it, the way that I give it to you, you're not going to give that back to me because you're God. 
You're God, and I'm giving this to you in faith. I'm giving this to you with an expectation so that the heart is not deferred and it doesn't grow sick. I'm giving this to you because I know that in my hands, I can only make what it is. I can only make the actuality of what it is, but in your hands, you can make far greater things. You can you can take some dirt and you can make man and you can breathe something on it. And you can give it a soul and, you know, I'll, I'll play with dirt and I'll make sandcastles. You see what I'm saying? I, I play with dirt and I make mud pies. I play with certain things and I can only make the extent of what it is. But when I give it to you, when I give it to you, when I give my life to you, when I give my finances to you, when I give my, my marriage to you, when I give my family situation to you, when I give my job to you, when I give anything to you, I'm never going to expect for it to come back the way that I gave it because you're God. And above you, no one else can do anything greater than you. And I know that. And that's where your determination comes from. That's where faith comes from. And that's where you have it. When you stare in the face of whatever's looking back at you in the mirror and you say, listen, I'm not scared no more because I gave it to someone who can do far greater than anyone can. Now, I'm not good at math. You can ask any high school teacher. Uh, when I was younger, it was not not working. But I've never known for two fish, five loaves, to, to go ahead and feed over 5,000 men, not including the women and children, then having 12 baskets left over. I've never known. I don't know what kind of algebra carrying the one that he did, but I'm glad that he did it because only God can do that. And it gets to a point that you got to go ahead and you got to rev yourself up in the spirit. You got to say, listen, I know what it is. And that's why the Bible says, walk by faith. You got to walk by something that you can't see because you cannot see what God's getting ready to do. It doesn't say walk by emotions. It doesn't say walk by logic. It doesn't say walk by what I did in somebody else's life. He said, walk by faith. You better remember that God did some things before you. He's going to do some stuff after you. And he's going to do great things through you. And you got to believe that just as much as you could believe. I know my name, my social security number. Nobody can't tell me that's not my social security number. I've been using it for years. This is my birthday. This is my God. He gave me this passion. He will bring it to pass. And I don't, no one else can talk me out of that. Not even myself. Not even what I see. I know it's two fish, five loaves. I can count. I see what it is. But you ain't never seen what God can do when you put it in his hands. Even when Jesus took the two fish and the five loaves and he took it in his hands. The Bible says that he looked up. He blessed it because we all know nothing can happen if God is not a part of that. He looked up. He blessed it, he broke it, and then he gave it away. That's the process that it takes to take something to the next level. It's not you staying up late night all the time, worrying your body out, being super sleepy, having what you want to call money bags, but it's really just bags under your eyes. You can take away the money part because have a nice day. Okay, great. It's not you working tirelessly. It's not you being absent all the time from your family. I mean, God does bless a hard worker. Don't get it twisted. That's why he used just the the insect, the ant alone to show, like, don't nobody work harder than them. Yeah, I created a lot, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to talk to you about the ant because they are the hardest working crew ever. And that says a lot. Because they don't have the stature. They don't have the extreme intellect. They don't even have the advantage. Y'all crawl. 
you don't walk, you don't fly, you don't, again, what if they was thinking about themselves, like, all we do is crawl, all day long, that's all we do, dirt, to get, like, if it rained, like, so, and what if there was a worrying ant, well, what happens when it rains, and then and it snows, and then, it, no, God's like, listen, I'm glad that they don't even let their stature, or, Anything else get in the way of what they know. Listen, hard work does pay something off. But God made us a little different. He gave us a soul. Which means we know how to connect to a greater power and say, listen, I saw you do some great things. I read this um, this book. You had like 66 chapters, chapters in it. Yeah, um, you did something great there. But I want to be your 67th. And that's how you got to start walking around. Blowing you, let God just have, you just have a life where he just keeps blowing your mind. Where you like, again? You're doing something great again? You ever been blessed to the point that you like, whew, I got to take a minute because I can't even wrap my mind around that. You ever, you ever? The Bible says that Peter was in the boat all day, all night, had his net out and was just, you know, getting ready to just wrap it up. All right, boys, let's go ahead and just get this thing. And he washed off the net and he's like, listen, ain't nothing out there. And then Jesus was like, oh, um, cast your net to the right a little bit, just you know, over there. And, you know, he kind of had some, um, something smart to say. He's like, well, I've been out there all night, aka, sir, sir, I fish for a living. You think I would have wasted my time, went out there and did all that if, if I knew where the fish were? I, I do this, sir. I've been doing this. As a matter of fact, when you called me, I was out here doing this, sir. But all right, you said to go ahead and cast it again. I'll cast it again. The Bible says there was so much fish in that net. He had to call back up for the other fishermen to come get some in their nets. And he couldn't even wait for the boat to get back to shore. The Bible says Peter... <laughs> He swam back to shore and just got blessed to his knees like you did that for me? Really, God? God can do that. All your degrees, all your networking, all that. I mean, it can get you somewhere. But you have to really give God what you have to take it to where he wants to get you to. Bible says he has a plan for you. He has a plan for you. And when you make the decisions and that align to that plan, and you get the mindset of, mm-mm, nope, because I know anything that graces my, my God hands, I already know it's going to be something spectacular, something that I could have never, ever, ever tried on my own. So I just wanted to just encourage you, get you to a place that you like, you know what, I know the, I know the lunchbacks are small. And it may even be a little snake, the, you know, the fish and the loaves. I don't know how it was packaged, but praise God, you know, I'm sensitive to smell. Shouts out. However, we know what it looks like. But you have no idea what it's going to look like in God's hands. And I want you to keep that hope. I want you to keep that tenacity. I want you to write reminders on your mirror. I want you to write reminders everywhere that you look. I want you to get something. The Bible says that at some point he told the Israelites, you know, tie it around your fingers so you won't forget. So if you got to get a piece of jewelry, if you got to get, we got all these personalization jewelry. You know, you can get a, a bracelet. You can get a, a ring. You can get all these different things customized to remind you of something. I need you to look at something, put something in front of you on a daily, and it just reminds you God's going to do something spectacular. 
so spectacular that's going to exceed what you ask and what you think. So you might as well just start thinking big. You might as well just go ahead and start asking greater. You might as well go ahead and start doing that. Because when you do, whoo, that 67th chapter is going to look great. The chapter that God's going to write for you, bestseller, off top. It's going to make the bestseller list. So get excited. Get passionate about something and, and be hopeful. Out of everything else, remain hopeful. Because God does amazing things. If he did it for a little boy with two fish and five loaves, watch what he do with you. <laughs> I can't wait. Go ahead and, you know what, and I'm sure as you're hearing this, he's downloading certain things in your heart, whether it's he's refreshing your hope, refreshing your outlook, refreshing the, your mindset, whatever it is, I pray a fresh anointing over that thing, and I cannot wait to see what he brings you. Mm! But you know what, let me get off this phone, because, woo! And when you get off, you know what, I want you to go ahead and just say, God, you know what, I received that, and I can't wait to see what you do with my life. Here's my book. Here's my pen. But you know what? You wrote enough stories to make it awesome. I trust you. And just watch what he does. Mm. It's going to be excellent. But all right. Let me. um. Because I'm fired up. No, 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 no. Don't keep me on the phone. I am fired up. I'm, I'm going to call you back. I got, I got something else I want to talk to you about anyway. But yeah, I'm going to call you back. So you know what that means. <laughs> Later.